In today's show, I'm going to give you what I'm watching for on Saturday in the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. I do these shows every day of the week, but uh, Sunday through Thursday, you will see them on the YouTube channel only. But if you're listening to this uh, on the audio, we do get a... Oh, actually, we got, a, we got a what to watch for Saturday and what to watch for Sunday on the audio. And then Monday through Friday, they're the days um, that you get it on video only. We have a quick look at all of the games on the uh, upcoming day and then some stream options at the end of the show as well. So let's have a look at the first game, the Jeremy Grant Bowl. The Philadelphia 76ers and the Detroit Pistons. We need to watch Shake Milton because his performance on Friday was very muted with Seth Curry back. You know, I've been really stressing him as a sell-high guy. I didn't expect that drop-off to be as extreme as it was. I don't know whether that will continue, but with Seth back, with Korkmaz getting minutes, with Thibel remaining in the rotation, Shake played under 20 minutes. And obviously that's not going to cut it. And we want to watch for Embiid. Actually, I want to watch to see if Embiid even plays because he copped a lot of bangs in that Friday game, kept falling on his ass, grabbing his back, grabbing his neck, going to the line a million times, which is way up at the moment, his free throw attempts. But I reckon there's a chance he doesn't play because it is against Detroit as well. Dylan Wright put up a big offensive performance for the Pistons on Friday. Let's watch what he can do. Normally, he's like a 4.6 assist, two steals guy. And that value in the assists and steals is what you get from, say, a TJ McConnell on the waiver wire, making him you're more of that stream or very specific type of player. But a yeah, really good performance on Friday. And Sadiq Bay, I don't believe that Blake Griffin will play for the Pistons on a back-to-back. So will Bay get the start? Because he has been in Dwayne Casey's not doghouse, doghouse. And he should be able to jump back in. And Casey using just absolute bullshit excuses why they can't give their young players minutes. Um, but if Griffin's out, Bay is probably going to get a start and have an opportunity to uh, to do something. But outside of hitting threes, he does nothing, really, really nothing at all. Let's look at the next game, the Tyler Johnson Bowl, the Heat and the Nets. Kendrick Nunn is putting up big numbers. Now, he was a horrendous minus 29 in that big loss against the Raptors. But with Jimmy Butler unsure, Avery Bradley probably not playing, Tyler Hero definitely out. He's going to get another opportunity while the Cali Olenek up and down roller coaster continues. He was pretty poor on Friday. He's been good. And he's a top 100 player this season. I am still holding Olenek in most cases, but let's see how he looks in this one. For the Nets, the big three, will Kevin Durant be back? Will Kyrie actually play? I imagine Durant plays, but will Kyrie sit out on a back-to-back? There is a possibility there. And how the hell is Harden fitting in? Because he struggled a little bit again on Friday after really excelling in the first couple of games with Durant. And then you know, with all three of them, he struggled. And then with Kyrie only, he struggled. So he's a little bit up and down. And then Jeff Green. Is he going to start? Is he going to come off the bench? How are they going to use him? He's putting up 12-team-like value at the moment. And that makes him at least worthy of a stream, especially in 14-teamers. But even even in 12-team leagues, we've got to at least take a look at Jeff Green. My name is Jeff. The next game. 
we look at is the Pelicans and the Wolves, the Dante Cunningham Bowl, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. What is his role going to be? Because Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo Ball, honestly, that pairing isn't working. So do we get Alexander-Walker eating into that time? Does that happen in February? Like, What sort of playing time is Alexander-Walker going to get uh, in this game, especially if Lonzo and uh, Bledsoe are playing 30 minutes apiece, which it looks like they will. So let's watch him, and then let's watch Bledsoe because he just doesn't look good. He just doesn't look like the same guy that we've seen in so many regular seasons, playoff Bledsoe excluded, um, and he looks terrible, and he is trending towards being a drop. For the Wolves, let's look at Jaden McDaniels. who played like 22 minutes on Friday. It was nowhere near as good as he was on Wednesday. Let's see what he can do. But it does appear that Jared Vanderbilt, if he doesn't get into foul trouble, will be the guy that gets the bulk of those minutes at power forward for the Wolves. And let's see what McDaniels can do. I also want to focus in a little bit on Malik Beasley, who's playing like their best player, maybe? Depends how you feel about D'Angelo Russell. Probably their second best player, um, Beasley is. But yeah, shooting a lot. Not doing too much more than that, but clearly outplaying someone like Anthony Edwards or Jarrett Culver or Josh Okogie. And yeah, really elevating his play this year. So uh, good to see him doing that. Let's pay pay attention to what he's doing. The next game, the Luol Deng Bowl, the Lakers and the Bulls. Alex Caruso played some pretty big minutes last game, pushed Horton Tucker out of the rotation, but getting enough minutes for him to be impactful is pretty tough. Um, just with the Lakers and all the players that they do have. And then Anthony Davis's free throws are all over the shop. Um, he was a consensus top five pick at the start of the year. He is not that at this point. I think he can get back into being the top 10, but he needs to push his usage up. But more importantly, he needs to push his free throw percentage up because it's way, way down. For the Bulls, what do they do at center? They started Dan Gafford on Friday. He played like 22 minutes and they went with a lot of Lowry Markkinen. So what do they do there? Does that just mean more minutes for Thad Young, for Garrett Temple, for Otto Porter, for Patrick Williams, although Williams barely played on Friday? What happens at that center spot with no Wendell Carter Jr.? And then Zach Levine continues to shoot at an unbelievably high level. It isn't real. Because he can't shoot 50% plus from three. That's what I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to be top 15 for the rest of the year easily. But is he top four, top five, which is what he's currently trending at on the on the back largely of a really, really hot streak of shooting. The Chandler Parsons Bowl the, is the Rockets and the Mavericks. That is uh, the next game. Now, both of these teams did play on Friday. The Rockets started DeMarcus Cousins. And you know, it, outside of the poor shooting, it went okay. So we're going to have him as a really strong stream option, but let's hope he can hit some shots. And Jay Sean Tate really stuffed the stat sheet. He put up defensive numbers all over the place. I imagine that Victor Oladipo is going to rest in this game. So some more opportunities for Tate to handle the ball. He could be a really strong stream option for the Mavericks. They're not going to have Kleber or Finney-Smith or Powell or Richardson again. So we're probably going to get Jalen Brunson starting. He just dropped 16 points again on Friday. Let's see how he is working alongside Doncic. If he plays better than Trey Burke or Tim Hardaway because he's been playing at a really, really high level. As for Hardaway, another 21 points for him on Friday. Had that one really off game where he was 0 of 12 coming back from the groin injury, but it's been pretty solid in most of these uh, most of these contests so far. How it all works when Richo and Finney Smith are back is still a massive, massive question mark, but the Mavs have a ton of depth at the guard and the wing spots. The Nuggets and the Suns, the TR Dunn Bowl. TR Dunn, huh? Michael Porter Jr., he came off the bench in Friday's game, will they put him back into the starting lineup and how many minutes will he play? How will he look in the second game against the Suns in as many days? While the headmaster, Jamal Murray, his shooting has been rough. 
for big stretches this season. How's his elbow looking? How is the field goal percentage looking? How's his free throw percentage looking? For the Suns, DeAndre Ayton, can that you know, recent aggression keep up? How does he handle big chungus Nikola Jokic? And what about Chris Paul? Is he ever going to get his high-efficiency, decent usage playback? It doesn't feel like it. The assists are fine. His steals have disappeared. But maybe you know, when we talk about guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, like when you get to a certain age, like it just, that's it. Like It just doesn't come back. And maybe Paul, unless you're LeBron, maybe Paul is at that area where it just doesn't uh, quite come back for him. The next game is the Warriors and the Jazz, the Jonas Yurepko Bowl. James Wiseman, how is he going to go uh, taking on Rudy Gobert? Had some impressive games lately, Wiseman. Also, some other ones where he struggled. Gobert is a tough challenge for the best of centers, and Wiseman is not the best of centers. So this could be a rough one for him. While Andy Wiggins is up and down, I think that's a fair way of putting putting it with him. How does he look in this matchup? Can he put together it to, put it together defensively again? While Don Mitchell for the Utah Jazz is Don. He's good. Shooting unbelievably at the moment, over 50% from the field, up inside the top 20 in fantasy over the last couple of weeks. Free throw attempts marginally up, and he's not doing it with high steals as well, which is another way that he can get better. So he's on a real roll. Can that shooting continue? Well, Jingle and Joe is just really dominating the second unit in terms of ball handling and assists. He's getting like eight, nine assists in under 20 minutes a night. That can have value as a stream guy. So let's see if he continues to just be that point guard, basically, on the second unit while Jordan Clarkson serves as the scorer in that role. Look at some stream options for Saturday. Naz Reed in Minnesota with no Carl Anthony Towns. Pat Williams, who I'm less sure about uh, than when I wrote this graphic, who you know, played some pretty limited minutes on Friday, but he is at least an interesting streamer. Jay Crowder of the Phoenix Suns. Jared Vanderbilt, which is a, a bigger time streamer to me than, uh, say, a Pat Williams or even a Jay Crowder. And then Jeff Green, or you could throw in even uh, Bruce Brown, say Kyrie does sit for the Nets. Uh, Bruce Brown could be an option there. You could throw in Jay Sean Tate. You could throw in Mason Jones or Sterling Brown in Houston as well if Victor Oladipo was sidelined with some stream options on a relatively light day in the NBA on Sunday. Guys, that'll do it for me. Don't forget to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Thumbs up, hit the bell, leave a comment. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.